Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D Show, episode 425. I'm your host, Bob Waltonspiel, hanging out with producer Randy Walker. Guest this week, Jer Stays, the editor, podcast host, curator, all things, everything of Daily Detroit. A phenomenal podcast, been going on for a We'll find out how long. I, I, I'm going to take a guess, but you'll probably correct me. You can find us online, itinthed.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials. Subscribe to us everywhere. Find podcasts are sold. Don't forget, meetup.com slash itinthed. Third Thursday in February, we're going to be at the Ye Old Saloon out in the back of the bar. $2 bacon on a stick. Awesome bartenders. Really cool vibe. Old school. You know what? I always wanted to be the, uh, those those um, pencil drawings of those the red bar regulars. Like how cool is that? If that would be like one of your uh, like your grandpa or something that was like a uh, you know regular at yield and he's still on the wall. Jer stays daily Detroit, a phenomenal podcast, been going on for a. We are nearing one thousand episodes, but Bob, and I know this is a long back callback to the IT and the D archives. Yes, but I thought we retired the word curation. No, pivoting. We've retired. Okay, we we, we don't cur- pivot. We don't pivot to the curation. No, we don't pivot. Um, we don't. We don't ass anything. I'm banning ass um, as a, <laughs> as a service. Um, you know, and you knew from uh, from our what our former TED talk. Uh, we're not ninjas. We're not thought leaders. We're not masterminds. We're not. You know, I forget what all the other ones we said. We're not. Um, I would be very impressed if any of us on this call had anything approaching ninja skills. Oh, no ninja skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what, though? Here's the thing. I don't, we don't see that as much anymore. I think LinkedIn toned down on like the stupid titles and the, it, it moved to transforming the lives of small businesses through agile technology. It changed to that. And I hope, <laughs> I think that's slowly going away. The only person who should have transforming in their LinkedIn bio is Optimus Prime. Good point. Exactly. Bum- Bumblebee too. That's fair. Yeah, Bumblebee. Um, anyone in that, good or bad, I don't. I don't care. I don't judge. But if you're a transformer, then you can do this. Agreed. Um, I gotta. I gotta throw you some butter, Jer. Uh, Daily Detroit. I remember you know us talking when you asked me if you should buy the domain for X amount of dollars. Um, I remember when you were starting just just doing the podcast, and I'll be damned if you haven't stuck to doing a daily podcast. For I'm going to say it's seven, six years now. Well, I mean, the, there was various versions of the podcast. It's close to, yeah, it's now th- three years of the daily. Um, but yeah, that's it's a crazy ride to look back at the episodes and go, oh, pretty much darn near every weekday we've done something. And uh, let me tell you, I have learned a lot from it. It has helped hone my skills. It has helped me meet more people. I mean, podcasting was frankly one of the best choices I could ever make. And I got to thank uh, you and the guys for kind of opening up some of the doors there over it with everything that you guys did. And eh, don't give me that. You did it. You know, you know, you, you could have done it once or twice. But I mean, literally, though, being able to stick to something like this, like every single day to have something to talk about. I remember we uh, had a guest canceled not too long ago. And Randy's like, do you want to do a show? And I go. I don't know what to talk about, Randy, you know, and this is me doing, you know, 400 and what's 25 episodes. And, you know, there's sometimes you just, I, I don't want to force it. And I don't feel you've ever, not that I say I listen to every one of yours. I usually spot them when I'm driving around, but you know, you don't, they don't, none of them sound forced. Like they actually sound thought through. 
Well, one of the good things is that Metro Detroit and the city of Detroit are is basically the best news town in the country. And there are so many cool people and cool stories that if you open up your mind a little bit and say, you know what, I'm going to talk to that ice cream TikTok guy. It it appears and it turns out to be a great conversation. I remember some of our listeners like looking at it. They told me this. They said like, hey, I see you do a TikToker as a podcast interview. Like, is that going to go well? They clicked on it. And it worked because it turned out like Dylan LeMay, who has 11 million followers and is opening up an ice cream shop in New York City, is from right here in Metro Detroit. And how cool is that? Oh, I saw a story on that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's super bright and got a great business mind. And he's young. A couple million bucks. Somebody did. Yeah. Like to do a thing in uh, I think it's NoHo. Um, and it is absolutely exciting to see that kind of stuff happening. And yeah, I hope he opens up one here in Metro Detroit, but I want everybody from our region to succeed. No doubt. I mean, speaking of transformation, it's funny in our early talks, when we used to get together in podcast, we used to always trash on the people that the save the buildings people and the, you're not Detroit enough people and the, the constant bickering people and it's funny, I'm, I still go to r slash Detroit, I still follow the trade regs, I still listen to the, you know, on Metro Times on Facebook, and I don't see it anymore. Not that it's gone. Well, let's I, be honest, a bunch of the buildings are getting saved. Right, and I think people are realizing, oh, that shit's kind of cool now. Mm-hmm. Um, did, you know, I think we'll never stop complaining about surface parking lots, that's just the Detroit thing that'll <laughs> never go away, which is completely fine. But if you look at the the way some of these, you know, like, oh, my God, they're redoing the United Artists building. Oh, my God, they're redoing this building. That Oh, my God, that building's gorgeous. They're you know redoing I mean? the Lee Plaza, man, on West Grand Boulevard, like, out there. People thought that would never happen. They're redoing that. So, like, it's not just a downtown thing, you know, and it's not just big buildings. I can think about my friend Chase over uh, who's doing building community value. He's redoing a storefront. At Prairie and McNichols. Wow. Like, who would have thought that in the outside conversation? Now, a lot of us Detroiters knew what was there and what we can do and what what is possible. But I think when you look at the outside world, I think a lot of people still have not caught on to, like, there is momentum here. And there is momentum in all kinds of different places around the region. You've just got to look for it. And also, things are going to look different than they did 10 years ago. And I, you know... I started to know notice this was probably last summer. I have one or two developer friends that can't buy stuff fast enough. And even though like they're not really building from scratch, they're just buying stuff and it might not be, they might not be developing it already, but they have plans for it and they're pitching plans and they're trying to find people who are passionate and they, and they want to do stuff cool and unique. Um, and I think that's the, the, the funny thing or the unique thing about Detroit is I think we were talking that they're bringing in a Gucci store and it, I think it's with mixed emotion. I think a lot of people are like, Oh my God, that's awesome. We got a Gucci store. And other people are like, Oh Christ, a Gucci store. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's a good conversation to be having. And you know what? That's in a lot of ways progress. I mean, let's be honest. Every major city has stores like Gucci in their downtown, you know? Or something a, similar, or right, you know, some, I mean, as I said, stores like something like yeah, that, a high street, a, it was a fancy past, corner. It was, it was just if it wasn't at Somerset, you know, that was like the only place you could find that kind of shit. Let's be honest, um, right? And I and I 
And I'm glad that it's not. I mean, the Varvados thing, you know, we talked about that last week with Billy. You know, that was a, you know, I guess it was one of the first things that we got that was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was a start, but I think there's a difference between like a brand, like, and I do not, don't mean this to knock anybody's brand, but let's be honest. Like, it's Gucci, Cartier. That's a whole nother luxury level above even say, and I don't want to offend people, but like, beyond Varvados or any of these other sub brands we've talked about, you know, that's another level of, of luxury. It, it's, it's a name that everybody knows, even if you hate it, you know it. Oh, no doubt. Um, that was, you know, I've been to, you know, driven down the rodeo drive and all that, you know, I've seen, you know, all those stores stuff that I'll never buy in my entire lifetime. Um, but there's people who do and and it, the when you attract that kind of people to the area they're going to want to do other things like have a nice drink and have a nice meal um and i think the the restaurant you know i guess you can maybe correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like the restaurant boom has kind of plateaued a bit um i know covid didn't help much um, i mean it's a for now but yeah it definitely has for now 100% and i mean y- you've got a situation right now where you only have about 20,000 of your 70,000 office workers back so that's just only going to like that's going to limit some of your options. I think you're going to see some office towers and things start to become residential even, which would be great for the downtown area. Uh, and I know we're talking a lot about downtown right now, but there's so many interesting things happening in different places that, you know, I think in the end, Detroit's going to figure it out. And there's a lot of assets that if we deploy them right, you know, to use your IT world uh, terminology. Uh, I think there's a lot of success possible. You know, I wanted to ask you, you do so much around the IT space. You got the meetups, you got the podcast, you got your day job. What is it about the IT space here that's exciting you for you to do things? Because you're a man who has options. Why are you here? What What, what is kicking it for you? What What's exciting for you? This is going to be the worst answer ever. No, I'm born and raised here, man. This is home. This is, uh, I'm never, you know, I'm never leaving. This is, are you kidding me? Like, this is, uh. This is always going to be home. My kids are here. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're entrenched in the community. We just, you know, uh, even though I'm, I'm, a, I'm a suburban, sorry, Jer, um, ah. I'm, out, I'm out in the OC. Um, but no, this is, uh, the, and I'm proud. I've always been, here's the, here's what always make me angry is I was always super proud of Detroit every time. Cause I've been traveling for work since the O twos ish like nationally, even globally, like in 0506 go in on then I used to always brag I'm from Detroit and it always was made. Uh, it was always replied with a fart look for, you know, like, Oh, Detroit. I'm like, ah, don't knock, you know, and I, you know, and I always tell stories and sell it. And then about five years ago or so, you weren't allowed to say anything from Detroit cause you're just trying to glom on. And I'm like, no, 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 I got carte blanche, man. I've been, I've been singing the praises of this town. Um, you know, since, you know, at 15, I'm, you know, 80, I'm dating myself, but like a late eighties, I remember, you know, going down to, you know, the shelter at 15 years old, going to, you know, when I went to Wayne state, been entrenched in this town and just to see what it is now compared to those days compared to 10 years ago. Um, I, I'm proud Papa. I think this, I think it's amazing what's going on. Well, it's one of the things we discussed with uh, Kurt Metzger, the former recently former mayor of Pleasant Ridge and, Oakland County. Uh, but regionalism regionalism, and working together is going to be the key to getting a lot of things done because the reality is, is most people don't work where they live. The reality is we've got family everywhere 
And I understand some of the repping of you're from here or from there. Some neighborhood pride is really important, you know, and I get that. But when we're talking about getting things done, working together is going to be truly crucial to that, you know, uh, you know, and, and to, to dig down in kind of your, your, your IT question, I think there's been some IT stuff that's really helped uh, kick off some development, not just in Detroit, but also up in Pontiac and in other cities where when Detroit ties into IT, especially using our strengths, I think it's a winning combination. Jared, if you look at GM right now and look at their job postings, there's almost 400 openings for coders just at General Motors. If you look at what they're doing with the in the ATIS market, the autonomous driving, the amount of data collection and what they need to do with it is making data center owners and big data software companies and consultants absolutely salivate because again, they're collecting more data. It's kind of like how they're, you know, they've printed more money in the last 18 months than like the whole entire universe combined. Um, there's more data being produced in the last 18 months, probably than the, you know, I don't know the exact number. Someone's going to correct me. Um, but there's just a, this explosion of data in this town um, primarily driven by that, um, that people need to figure out what the hell we're going to do with all this. And what's going to be even more exciting is stuff like connected infrastructure, you know, like our stop signs are going to be talking to our cars soon, which is just crazy, but that's all technology. That's all connected together. And I don't, uh, I'm all the one that, like those, the stupid commercial, what's that commercial, the Denali commercial where they're doing the, we will rock you. Can the guy's like not driving with his hand on the steering wheel. And, we're still for trying to figure that all out. I think there was a story. Was it last week, Randy? If, did I, I don't know if I sent it to you or not, where the guy um, got in an accident and he was drunk. He was either drunk or he killed somebody. God bless. I wish it great memory, Bob. Um, but he wasn't driving his autonomous car. And it's like, well, who's at fault? And I think oh, yeah. ultimately he was. So we that's one thing we always argued about was like, all right, what happens? Right, and, and that's a great question that's going to end up having to be solved by the courts, I think. Well, or, I, or a law, just a direct law saying this is how this is going to have to work out. My big check marks are this. If there are autonomous cars and they talk to each other and it eliminates accidents. Let's say it eliminates 90% of all accidents because they all talk to each other. Now, now you look at what that does to the insurance business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at no turn on red, speeding, drunk driving, if the drunk, I don't know if the drunk, you know, but you look at the money the municipalities make on, in, on driving infractions. Let's say 70% of those go away. Then what happens, right? Mm-hmm. You look at you look at electric electronic cars, electric cars, the gas tax. Let's say 30% of the gas tax goes away. Now what happens to the roads? Right? There's a whole bunch of trickle stuff that we need to that's like 10 years down that we need to that someone needs to talk about today. Not me, obviously, but Right. And I mean, you could do different things like a flat rate and stuff like that. And I know that uh, we'll sometimes have different folks on to talk about those kind of issues. But one thing I thought was interesting along those lines, General Motors recently revealed that they're doing this kind of a hydrogen energy plant thing where you can plug in lots of stuff that can draw stuff, including cars. And all of a sudden in my head, I went, oh, here might be the on-ramp. And this is just theory, but here might be the on-ramp for gas stations to replace gasoline with the hydrogen, which might be cheaper to deploy to that gas station and not require as much wired infrastructure, and then charge the cars from that. And then the gas station still has a, a lot of relevancy. So 
it, we don't even know how this is all going to fold out right now. And that's, I think, part of what's exciting about it. There was, uh, I still love the story about the car that drove on water. The guy created an engine and that went through the shredder faster than, uh, (laughs) Indian food goes through my belly. Um, I remember seeing a, a, an auto, like a dual land water vehicle at the auto show, like six or seven years ago when I was covering it. And it was crazy to like, to be on because it did neither well, but it was a lot of fun. See, now that's another thing. Did have you, Randy, have you seen like 3D printing? I remember we thought that would be in everybody's house. Yeah, it's still kind of just a hobby thing. Years, and it's like people you get to st- make little Smurf figurines. I mean, yeah, it's people are still just printing like fidget toys and stuff. Right. Cra- crazy story about that, though. My class A nerd roommate printed, a 3D printed the little lever that goes on your uh, electric plug. So with an electric vehicle, you know, got you got that little lever that's got to go click so that it'll engage. He 3D printed a replacement one and just slapped, took it apart, slapped it in, works like gold. Did he get the plans from like a GitHub or something? Yeah, like on GitHub, you can find all kinds of crazy stuff. And if you're like industrious about it, I think it's still, what it needs to do is make the leap from like class A nerd level to like class you know, C or D. So like the rest of us can be a little bit more familiar with it and not as intimidated by it. But I still think there's a lot of potential there, but I think that potential is going to be delivered in a different way than we thought. Right. Like it's not going to be like, I'm going to make a new mug here for myself. It might be, you know, Randy's 3d print emporium where you just send something like Randy, I want a mug now. And he just does it. You know? Well, you remember, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was supposed to be the, uh, you know, I need a wrench. Here's a get. A, here's a wrench. But you remember uh, how long they were talking about 3D printed houses a long time ago? There, the cinder blocks, cinder blocks were getting printed out, and there it was like 24 hours to build it, and all of a sudden it got real quiet. I'm just curious. You know, I'm just wondering. And now it's coming back because they had to refine the technology. In fact, how for sale right now are a set of 3D printed houses. What they figured out was is they they have an arm that actually goes around and does each layer. And then they lay in things as they go. They kind of had to perfect it, but there are now houses for sale that are 3d printed. And that's what I found is that things go quiet when they try to figure out how to actually do the thing and not just like the cool demo thing. Like I love the idea of something like a boxable, especially to help alleviate housing crises and things like that. Have you heard of the boxable? Apparently Elon Musk lives in one of these. No. All right. So this is cool. 50 grand. It comes preloaded on a truck. You unfold it and it's instant house. Like it's real walls and real electrics and real, like real appliances. It's not like a camper home. And then you can put the different blocks together. Do I think that that's going to be the winner? I don't know. But the idea that you could centralize the house building process, I feel like building houses is the next place where technology could make a huge material revolutionary difference because housing and like we it, just in Metro Detroit, we are building like 10,000 homes less a year, more than that. I know it's more. I can't remember the exact data than we need. And that is the case around the country. If you can find a way to make something good that leverages technology, that's where somebody in technology could make the next billion dollars. That's where the next Jeff Bezos comes from. So the last three houses in my neighborhood that's taken 16 years to finish, um, the last three houses, each house came in four pieces. 
and it was met by some neighbors with a chorus of boos. And actually, my neighbor uh, talked to the builders very a lot, and he said, and he basically said to you know, he goes, "It's not a prefabbed home. It's even though that technology being used, that technology got so advanced that it's literally there's nothing, there's no error. Like this, mm-hmm. th- this thing is." Basically, it's it's better quality than anything any human can put up. Have you seen like how the, the process of you know when they put up the, the the four walls, you know what I mean, and then hammer those together? This thing shows up in four pieces. It's a two thousand square foot house, and it was up in days. I think at the end of the day, what neighbors will really care about is what it looks like. And I've seen some really good looking examples, right? Because that's what affects their property value. Will it fall apart? And does it fit in with the rest of the neighborhood? And you're absolutely right. There are so many places that have errors. One of the weirdest obsessions I have on social media right now on reels and TikTok is inspection TikTok, where like home inspectors will do their TikToks of like, not shouldn't not supposed to do that. There's this one guy out of Texas who's absolutely hilarious. And I can't stop watching it because there's so uh, many things, even on new builds. Yeah. I love Inspector AJ. Yeah, yeah, and there, there's just so many of them, uh, but the good ones are great to watch because you're like, it's not supposed to do that, and you're looking at it going, uh, yeah, this is cool, like, this is interesting, and it's also interesting to see that it's, you know, you expect, like, I live in a hundred-year-old house, I expect stuff to, like, have issues, right, but when something's brand new and you're like, oh, this guy just totally dropped the ball, <laughs> that's kind of funny to watch. Yeah, because if you look at, like, even, like, this house was built in, what, oh. 506 we moved in 06 was built in 05 um like the whole nail pops thing like we didn't have any of that like there's mm-hmm. always like you see these errors but we did have a leak in our bedroom ceiling and we had 10 people could go on the roof and go in the, there's a little cavity in there nobody can find it so we just sprayed some flex uh, flex seal in there and <laughs> pray for the best you know what i mean but if it gets to minus 10 degrees We'll get like a drip and we put a bucket down and we can't fix it. We don't know where it's coming from. It's just, wow. it's just the joys of home ownership. You know what I mean? Oh, 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 a hundred percent. I mean, and I mean, that's part of the thing is like, if you're going to get a place with character, your place now has character, Bob, my place has lots of character. So well, I can say it's like, it's an aesthetic, like the siren hotel where just, we just leave, leave open holes in the ceiling and just cause it's, cause it's cool. Um, like, do you have you been in the siren like i looked up at the thing and i'm like is that supposed to be like that or did they just not fi- finish it like oh no we did that we left it there to see the pipe you know what i have only been in the lobby of the siren and then i think in the is it in the back of the siren is uh candy bar sid gold's candy karaoke bar. Joint? oh candy bar okay i was in the back of the one that has sid gold's karaoke oh the piano, the piano karaoke. That's oh. one thing I can't wait to come back. Oh my gosh, what a fun time! That's gone. Well, no, I mean it's in the back there. I just don't think they've done much with the pandemic because you know singing COVID da 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 da. Yeah, I know the, the karaoke uh, by my house. They they call she calls them the little condoms. So they give, you have to she gives you one and and it's up to you to bring it back if you want to sing twice. But it's basically like a cover for the mic to make everybody feel safe. Um, you know, I guess, yeah. I don't, you know, it, I can't wait to stuff for to, to open up again. Put it that way. Oh, I'm, I mean, look, I can't wait for a good. Listen, I can't wait to hear you do the flash again. <laughs> I have not done flash Gordon since I was with Ming. Really? Yeah, that's a shame. We're gonna have to bring it out. I don't know what how much Baron Yeager it's going to take. 
No, no, it won't take much. I did do um, what was it? Uh, was it Hard Sun? One of the Rocky Four songs um, right. at Duffy's, and that uh, that went over well. At least in my head, it went over well. I felt <laughs> I felt like I was on the mountains in Russia. Um, everybody else is probably like, "Jesus, God, make this guy stop singing." Um, but that's okay. It's what makes things fun. Um, so, what do you? What What else is going on, Daily Detroit? I know you are deeply invested in DCFC. Oh yeah. Um, La Rouge. Love, love Detroit city FC. Love the fans of DCFC. Uh, love what we've been able to do. Uh, big ups to Fletcher Sharp, who has been kind of leading the charge with all of that. I've just been kind of the circus, like carnival monkey, uh, carnival Barker, but like it has been a great ride. I don't know if you've seen some of our stuff when we're doing social media from the games, we're doing weekly coverage now of the sport. It's just been a really great ride, and I enjoy doing it so much because, you know, back in the day, I did some sports stuff, and some of the magic of Detroit sports hasn't been the same. When you go to the when you go to Keyworth, man, there is nothing like that energy. And boy, does your uh, does your cameraman at the games do a great job? You know what? He does. (laughs) Engineer Randy does many jobs, Mr. Bob. Oh, (laughs) Randy. I borrowed borrowed your Randy, Bob. That is the... uh, Hands down, though, that is the best $20 entertainment ticket in my lifetime. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to I used to love indie, indie wrestling. I still do. Um, that's always a good $20 bill. But DCFC, I mean, you can't you can't go wrong. Um, I know I uh, what I was going to mention was they, they they're it's cool to see them branch out. My, you know, my kids plays travel soccer. She's, you know, 15. Um and we played DCFC in a home back to back this weekend. So they have like, have like a total youth program now for travel. Um, that's very elevated and they're very well coached. Um, I don't know if they're bringing the players into coach or if they're, you know, uh, I, I don't know all the details. Fletcher would know more about that specifically. Uh, I think that's great because what that does is build a farm system of people interested in the great game of soccer. And it also builds fans, you know, like it, it's something where people see the name. It's something they're involved in the community it's something really special. You know, we had an interview that is going to be airing with uh, Matt Freeman, the the communications professional. He's a great PR guy. And one of the things we talked about is the great the great opportunity that LaRouge has. Like, you can meet LaRouge players. They're right there. Like, you know, you've been to Keyworth. I remember, in fact, the Cadillac at Cass with you, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, they, let, they always let us park right up in front. Those are good times. Oh, yeah. Great time. Um, so they they... I'm glad they grew up and I'm going to just be frank when they, they always angered me, especially with the talk of the MLS coming into Detroit and there was no one more vocal than the, um, Oh God, why can't I think of their name that, uh, they, they cheer the whole game. The, the, Oh, the guard, guard. the guard. Thank you. And the guard was like, they were making FMLS shirts and they were barking. And I'm like, are you a soccer fan or, you know, and I understand if you're just a DCFC fan, but I'm like, you know, it's not like we go to Mud Hens games going FMLB. You know what I mean? I, I, love a, yeah, I get that. I get that. But I also like soccer is a different kind of animal. And I know NGS is very like club over league. It doesn't matter what league that DCFC is playing in. They're going to support it. I think that independent, I think underneath the, the thing for casual fans is that there is like there, there's been a lot of complicated tension in lower levels of soccer and with MLS for a really long time. And when somebody feels a lot of like ownership of a team, especially back then when you're talking about those days, like 
it's like, well, we have this thing here and these other people are just going to try to astroturf it. And I, I understand that. But I think now we're at the stage that if there's an MLS team in Detroit, it's going to be Detroit City FC, in my opinion. I'd hope so. My thing was, it reminded me of indie wrestling when sometimes the crowd, it can help the show tremendously if it's a fun crowd, which DCFC, they absolutely do. But then it gets to be to the point where they think they are the show, right? And I think they got to that point. I, I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't heard anything since because there hasn't been much MLS talk. But that always, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna call it like I see them, and that was always a thing. Hey, I love going to the games. That's the best part of going to the games is the, is the, is the, you know, I, I, trust me, I love soccer. I think it's a beautiful game. I'll watch anything or anyone. Um, but, but being a part of that atmosphere, I mean, that's that's what makes that whole thing second to none. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I got to say, I, I'm not going to get in the way of somebody loving their team that hard, you know, and things are going to be interesting as they're on ESPN plus and more people come to the games. It's going to be it's going to be a fun dynamic. You know, like Fletcher made a good point on an episode. We're going to see more people from other cities coming to Detroit, the travel squad yeah. when you go up to USL championship, you know, and I hope they're in USL championship and do well for for a while. I don't really care if they go to MLS, to be very honest. I wonder if it's the natural progression of things um, because at some point you've got to keep growing and Detroit is a big market, but I think there's a lot of room at, at USL and who knows what the soccer scene is going to look like in five or seven or eight years. You and I both know these things can turn really quick in all kinds of different ways. Watch an MLS game and like you, the it's packed in those stadiums. This oh, I went like, down to Columbus to see the crew. Yeah, it's nuts. It's rabid. Um, it's fun. It's it's good. You know that that's the thing. For me, I'm I'm just a soccer fan, right? I I just want to watch. You know, like I said, I'll watch anything. I freaking love the game. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just I'm I'm excited to see where this thing whole thing goes. Oh, for sure, for sure. So what else is on tap, Jer? What uh, you know, what's uh, you do? You know, you got your little four to five stories a week. What's uh, what's big in your world right now? You know. I'm going to start leaning into a bigger, a bigger theme. I think two big themes that are going to be coming up in the next few months. One is, and they kind of tie together, really. One is going to be as we start to lift from this pandemic for real, which is my sincere and true hope that what does this look like? How can we support ourselves and support our own, our team, our, our businesses, all those things that have been through so much in the, throughout the last couple of years. And then the other thing is, is elevating Metro Detroit to a whole new plane as far as competitiveness. You know, we, we did a series talking about um, uh, deaths are greater than births in Michigan. That's also true in Metro Detroit. And how do we kick it up a notch where there are more reasons for people to move here and stay and create different, um, and not every city is going to be the same. Not every place is going to be the same, but really turn up that dial on all the great things that we have here, but do it for real this time. Cause Bob, you and I both know we have been around long enough to see nigh on how many initiatives to turn around or do whatever. And in reality, the change is going to have to come from the grassroots level. Yeah. I mean, I've thought and overthought this for, for a long time. How do you get somebody to move here from X? And I, I don't know if we're ever going to get that. In our lifetimes, I'm not going to lie. Um, I think, you know, the sentiment you always hear with like professional sports is once they come here, like most of the guys, most of the players that have retired in Detroit 
like have stayed um, because they fall in love with this area. Um, and being someone that's traveled all over the place, it's going to be difficult to try to get anyone to come here. That isn't, if we don't have a specialized industry where I think we're trying to right now with, uh, you know, battery cars, Ada, the, the autonomous driving market. Um, but there's gotta be something else. Right. But I think once you get here, there's, to me, this is the perfect state. I mean, this in Denver are the perfect areas to be in. And I, and I love Milwaukee. Um, like saying if I'm going to move anywhere, but just to saying if you like boating, skiing, hunting, fishing, sport, it's a great sports town. Um, you know, these are all the things that I look for, uh, you know, cultural diversity, you know, just, just for food. Cause I'm fat. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but like, those are the things that I think make, make great areas and great, you know, th- th- like Denver to me is like, it's one of the most perfect cities in the country. Cause you have reasonable housing and you can do anything and it's all accessible. Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to, you know, like I said, I'm the biggest fan of this area, this town. Um, I just don't think we have it yet. Here's the thing in the city. What do you think is missing? What do you think is missing? Um, being able to raise a family in the city. Um, city, you mean city proper? Yeah. Yeah. City proper. I think that's the okay. biggest thing. Once, once that comes back and it's legit in the schools are, legit ran legit um that was my biggest thing with moving down you know i trust me i wanted to live down i wanted to live in the city proper i wanted to, you know um i don't you it's very difficult right now to raise a family if you're not sending your kid to liggett or, or or some private school um, so i have a question with that in that you know regionally you you know why do you think it's the city of detroit that's the key regionally in that regard because there's a lot of great communities regionally that if you're in that off ramp or in that situation, you could make things work. I mean, there, there's also the argument that, you know, some school districts are better than others. And that's obviously true. Um, I think that's been overblown. If you look at like funding per child, I think Detroit gets more than gross point does. Um, so I don't think that's a, uh, well, I'm not saying funding. I'm saying outcomes, oh, grade I'm, level outcomes. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think that's, God, I hate the, I'm going to sound like the old boomer and I don't want to, but I think it's, it's the, it's the family thing. It's the, it's, it's the cultural thing. It's the, you know, um, you know, yelling at your kid for getting a B minus, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I just talked to my, my daughter has a 4.2 grade point. Her first grades came in and she had a B minus in math. And I'm like, do we need to get you a tutor? What's wrong? Do you need to study more? You know, do we stop letting you go to parties? You know what I mean? So like getting, just being so actively involved and like getting the key, it's not even the kids too. It's, I mean, there, there's, there needs to be a little bit of everything, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes um, sense completely. And I also look at it from a perspective of, you know, if you have the flexibility in your job and anything that you're doing to be able to put that pressure, you know, because I've interviewed and talked to people who don't have that flexibility, right? Like imagine if you're in your shoes, but you're working 65 hours a week and you have to travel a bunch of different, like, it's, it's hard to do, and it's not an excuse, but I think it's one of those things that we have to do a little bit of a little bit of everything and not the same thing is going to work in every city or even in every individual school. I think sc- you have to go school by school to improve things and work at that level, and that's expensive, difficult, and it's hard to politically sell. It is, and, and not to jump around or anything, but I just talked to somebody today who left their job that they forced them back into the office. And they went to some place that allowed flexibility because he wanted to be there when the kids came home from school. And I think there's right. something to be said for that. 
um, you know, I got to, I have had the luxury of either dropping off or picking up my my daughters through through kindergarten through my daughter's oldest is a senior right now. Thank God I don't have to take them to school. They start at seven. It's brutal. Um, <laughs> um, but the fact but you know what? Man- that, that's part of the. But I think you know uh, an old boss I had said, you know, employers need to be employers of choice, a place where people want to work. And I think maybe that's something that we could push on as people involved in the community to push on employers that, Hey, it's important that your employees, and it's also important for the future of the region. You know, we talk about all this talent stuff and how do we keep people, you know, here, or how do we get more, you know, higher SAT scores and all that other stuff. I think that little bit is, is maybe it's a little holistic and hippy dippy of me, but I think that's part of, part of the, the mix. And if you look at like what my dad and my uncles went through and pretty much everyone in the seventies went through when they were working seven, could you imagine working seven twelves for oh. 20 years? I did it for two and it was just, I mean, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. But let me tell you, like doing that, that's one of the reasons why I had to make some changes because I couldn't, like I physically couldn't do it. And I have so much respect because I know people who do still do that, but it's still like a thing. Like that's insane, Bob. And that's the one thing is the biggest argument is, well, how do they get to have a house and a cottage and a boat and a Cadillac? You know what I mean? And I go, you want to know why they worked seven twelves. They didn't go to the bar. They didn't have cable. They didn't have internet. They didn't have a gym membership. They had two pairs of jeans. They had a, a shitty car. Um, that you know, th- their house was also fourteen hundred square feet. They didn't have a you know the Pulte McMansion. Um, it was a different life. So like people comparing now to like how did Al Bundy have you know that kind of house as a shoe salesman? You know, well, I think that comparison also get, loses the forest in the trees because I personally believe that your employer should serve like who you work for and who you work with is important for your lifestyle. Like. It's not okay. Like what they did wasn't perfect and not great. And what we did, we're doing right now, and so many people balancing so many jobs, that's not healthy and great. But what I'm saying is if you work 40 square, I think you should be able to live a decent life. Sure. And I'm just saying you can't compare the eras because every, I think every generation, it was completely how they did things and the, the, you know, growing half their food in their own garden. And just, you know, the way our lifestyle is, it's just not that, which is, which is completely fine. But the one thing that's driving me absolutely crazy is I always keep an eye on real estate and Mm. I understand the, 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 the plight of trying to buy a new house because there are condos going up right now, Jer in Rochester Hills that are two bedroom, two bath, 1800 square foot um, in an, in a residential neighborhood, not near, you know, not close to downtown Rochester Hills in the middle of no, not near a park, not waterfront. They're going for $850,000. I mean, the brush park developments in downtown near downtown are going for North of 800. And then we just covered a place in downtown Birmingham, 15,000 a month. There are new developments going in Hazel Park for two hundred fifty thousand. Hazel, Park. wow! I mean, yeah. I know Hazel Park's on the upswing, especially with the infusion of cannabis dollars and such. But wow! Uh, see, and that was the thing. Like my, I saw a thing from it was close to my house in Berkeley, but it was only two thousand square feet. You know, it didn't have the third floor. Same footprint though, seven hundred fifty thousand. 
See, and this is why I think the person who figures out this housing thing is going to be the next Bezos. Bezos, right? Yeah, and you know, and a lot of I, I saw. Oh my God, whose podcast was I listening to? And they were talking about what happens when you inject a bunch of cash into the economy, and you know, people buy assets. That's why baseball cards and anything assets, anything collectibles through the roof. I was going to pitch my baseball cards at one point in my life. And now I'm looking at, wait a minute, Jordans are selling for $26,000 right now, 86 Fleers. Like the asset market in, you know, used cars right now, you can't oh, buy one. It's, it's, it's really bananas right now. And just trying to buy anything. I have a friend down in Taylor whose house has gone up, I think, more than 3x in, in value since 08, 3 or 4x. The issue is, where the heck do you live if you sell at that high price? That's the point. Right? And so at what point does the merry-go-round stop? Because you can't, like, we can only have so much, like, of this. At some point, it has to, it has you, to stop. If Here's the thing. If we ever sold this house and moved... Um, Moseri can't stop building apartments by and like corporate townhouses by around in and around our our neighborhood. Um, you'd move into one of those for fifteen hundred a month and just be done, and mm. you just just cash out. I mean, that's really what a, what it's going to boil down to. Really? Um, okay. Is because you can't. What, what else would be my choice? You know. Right. Um. Yeah. If for some reason, you needed to take the cash off the table, and then what happens to that? Like, I'm not wise enough for this, Bob, but. Like, how do you even like, so if you can't sell it without having to downgrade greatly and it's difficult to move, like, what do you do with that as an asset, right? Like it gains value, but like, what can you actually do with that value? Are you going to use that value somehow? Uh, more or less, it's going to, you know, you die and you give it to your kids. That's what it, <laughs> that's what right? it comes down to, um, you know, which is what everyone, like I, my, uh, my dad, when they immigrated to Chicago, um, my grandpa would basically hustle until he could buy one of those four uh, family apartment buildings in Skokie. Um, and he, he got three or four of them. And I happened to, when I, we went down there for a family gathering and I zillowed one, they're worth $900,000 today. You know, that's you know, always like, been a, that's always been a dream I've had, whether it's a quad or like a two flat where you have a renter that's able to like pay most of your, your note. Like that seems like a great example. And if we built more of those, we could actually build some wealth and create some housing opportunities, right? Like it just, I'm not talking about crazy downtown Chicago density. I'm talking about just the density that our city used to have. I mean, you look at all the things getting rehabbed, those little apartment buildings that are really cool. You and I have both seen them, you know, they've got the cool architecture and whatever, yeah, where yeah. you see the two family flat. Those are ways that we could create wealth and create housing opportunities. If we start to look, look beyond it. I know not every neighborhood's going to love that, but frankly, there's all kinds of neighborhoods that that's already integrated into and doing well. You look at the parts of Dearborn, you look at the gross points, you know, there's all kinds of those flats in the gross points. Well, you know, I mean, more of that would be great. Now is the time to buy over the last three, four years because the interest rates were ridiculously low. The problem is if they shoot up a point, you're going to see a massive halt. Really? Um, okay. And just, you know, it's going to be this wait and see thing now. Um, the people that could, you know, people that could have bought already have bought. And if you want to get more people into the, you know, owning assets and things like that, yeah, it's going to happen eventually. They can't keep their interest rates as low. It just can't. It's not sustainable. Um, it's got to come to a, some sort of a middle. 
Um, right now it's been rock bottom. You know, that's why there was this huge boom in, in housing, um, cheap money, things like that. Um, it's got, it's got to create a middle ground or inflation is just going to get ridiculous. Fair, fair. So yeah, we've been, we've been busy and you know what, this is, this is the kind of conversation that we sometimes have over on the podcast. We get real weeds into the nerdy, as you know. Yeah, no, and I, that's why I was, uh, I was like arguing with you at the barks. It's, you know, we always, we're never going to solve anything. Right. But it's, all, but at least we're talking about it, you know, and I, you always see conversation kind of gets the ball moving. You know, like I said, I'm not going to be the arbiter of much change other than, you know, helping, uh, it people meet each other and talking shit on a podcast, but you know, <laughs> I guess, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? Well, you know what? That's the thing. It's all about action, you know, and, and taking every little bit and a step forward. And a little step turns into big steps sometimes. Yeah, no, that, and that was one of the things that when when I was raising my eyebrows a bit on on this area in the state was when you saw people from like Brooklyn and you saw people from out of the country and people from like, I was hearing stories from Miami from coworkers that are just coming up here and buying blocks of land and just mm-hmm. buying buildings and going, well, you know, that would have been nice if it was, I don't mind them coming here and doing it, but it would have been nice if it would have been kind of people here. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and and put it to work, right? Like, okay, you buy something great, but I want to see you. What do you do with it? You know, don't just hold on to it. Find a way. And there's different ways. Like we we did an episode talking about different tax rate structures where if you're somebody who just holds on the land and doesn't do anything with it, you're going to pay more than if you decided to actually develop it. Because right now, in some cases, it doesn't make sense property tax wise. Uh, you know, like there's so many different ways that we can kind of tweak the dials and say, what are different ways we could do things? Could we lower taxes in high tax cities and then also immediately give a benefit to the people who already live there and incentivize small development again for the people who live here? Right. It's all with that in mind. No, it's a no brainer because, you know, if you look at the differences, like my parents always bought land up north and there's always small pieces like up in like Sugar Springs. And you know what I mean? It was never, it was never really a development. It was just up North. But if you look at, if you're like, if you are in a city and you do that and you're just sitting on land, um, yeah, your property tech. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. You should, uh, should run your mouth more in Mackinac at the policy thing. <laughs> I plan on, I plan on doing it again this spring. I do enjoy it, but yeah, I think this time there's going to be a lot more. We're even, we've been working on a little swanky event, Bob. I can't believe it. I've become that person that's starting to put together an event on Mackinac. Jeez. What's Where, happened to me, man? Didn't they sell off like uh, three of the properties there or something? Uh, there's some change going on. Mackinac is gangbusters right now. Like it got on some of those lists a few years ago. And then the COVID pandemic just supercharged the demand to be up in that place. And the housing, I mean, we, we were just joking about it. We were talking about housing here. Up there, it's stratospheric. You know, uh, I just hope that they don't lose what makes Mackinac Mackinac in the process, you know, like let in golf carts, man, let in golf carts. You know, I have the controversial take that I'd kick most cars off of Belle Isle. I know you'd hate me for that one. No one would go. Well, you know, we get you a cart, Bob. (laughs) No one would go. What are you going to, how do you kick cars off of Belle Isle? You don't kick them off completely. You don't kick them off completely. You just restrict them a little bit. Like there's that center, there's that center road that used to be a beautiful bricked like promenade, like Central Park. I'm not saying kick him off the loop or whatever, but in the middle of the island, there's this beautiful promenade that recently somebody drove drove right into the statue. 
that we could do something different with that and make it a lot more like walkable friendly and do different things and encourage more small businesses that are locally owned. Like there's different ideas that I have that are probably, you know, you, you, you talk about anything that's near and dear to someone, they're going to, they're going to have strong feelings about it. Uh, but no, I would not kick all of them off. I would just kind of restrict them in some places so that we're not crashing into statues. By the, that happened once. Don't not every weekend. Um, that's the one thing that's driving me nuts right now is we're going to take Woodward already busy and we're going to take a lane out so people can bike on it, but they can already bike on the. Oh, I'm going to push walk. back on you this one, Bob. I'm going to push back on you on this one. I you want to do it on idea. Woodward Heights. Here's the thing: if you want to do it on Woodward Heights or any of the any of the surrounding streets. Great, but not on Woodward though. It seems so ridiculous. Woodward, Woodward only sees forty-two percent of the traffic it was designed for. Yeah, it's not. It's too big. It's too big for how much traffic is actually on it. We, you can lose a lane in either way, and it'll be fine. And I don't even think it's all about the bikes. I think it's more about creating some space for those businesses to succeed more. Imagine being able to comfortably eat on a patio outside a house by you. Or like, you know, any one of those other places along there. If you've ever gone up and down the bars there, which I know you probably have. No. Like think about how thin that 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 strip of uh, sidewalk is. Just bump that out a lane and it's a so much better. It's a so much more pleasurable experience. We're going to disagree. I, mean, I know we, I knew we were going to disagree on this one, but I think long term when you're talking about attracting people. And I know from my listeners that are mostly, frankly, like 40 and under. That's what they want. In fact, we just had a whole thing talking about like these things to bring back the region. A lot of people are like, hey, this is a great idea because it's going to make it more walkable and make it more, you know, like really so, cohesive as a city. And it's going to cost 30 seconds in commute time. And I get that. And that sounds sucks. great. But as someone who goes to downtown Birmingham a lot and like goes to buy Churchill's, there are four parking spots tying up that little precious little area for mopeds. And guess how many mopeds I've seen ever park there? Zero. And well, and we could we could debate that one. I'm thinking specifically just because of one case is one way doesn't mean that another one is. And if you think about like that giant garage that Ferndale built, it's got tons of parking spaces in it. There's all kinds of places there. Now, I haven't ins- looked into the, the Birmingham thing. I don't go there that often. You very well may be right. And I don't know enough to say that. But like but on, I, a, on a street that goes that fast – Having bikes on the main road to me seems so like ridiculously. I don't think uh, the point shouldn't the be going that fast. The speed limit's only no. 35. <laughs> right. You 35? should be going people 35 to 40, not 45 to 50. Not everyone goes 50 on Woodward. Are you kidding me? I mean, Randy, you can speak to that more than I can. You live over there. Oh, yeah. It The speed limit is 35 and it's not enforced well at all. People are always flying by. Unless you're it's, in Hazel Park and turn right on red, I think I've donated more to their <laughs> fund than anyone. And is that the is that now known as the Walton Spiel Corner? It, yeah, I might as well. You've donated so much, it just you get your name on it. Yeah, yeah, it's the street. Yeah, they're going to change nine mile to to yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but hey, Jer, we're going to cut you loose. Uh, we can find you online dailydetroit.com. We can find you anywhere fine podcasts are sold as well. Daily Detroit, you do a hell of a job, and I'm seriously, I'm super proud of you for how you've uh, you've grown this little little idea into something that's kind of uh, super important to a lot of people in the city. So uh, cheers to you. Cheers to you, and thanks for the opportunity. Until next time. Until next time, yeah. So, hey, uh, on behalf of uh, Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.